Please be aware, this episode may contain information not suitable for children. There may be depictions of murder, sexual content, and foul language. Parental discretion is advised. everyone and welcome back to Wickedness. I'm Matt. And I'm Lenny. And today's episode is going to be all about Halloween since it's coming up this Saturday. It's going to be a different kind of Halloween because of COVID but we hope people are coming up with some creative, fun, safe ways to celebrate it. We get to have our granddaughters here this year which is really cool. They're on their way actually today. They're flying from Seattle to Oklahoma and we're like super excited. Very excited. Yeah. So we get to have the babies for Halloween and the other holidays this year. It's going to be awesome. We're doing a little bit of Halloween-themed fun for them since they're so young to to keep them away from the COVID environment, uh, going trunk-or-treat or or any of that kind of stuff that might be going on in your areas. We're we're talking about stuff like a Halloween-themed indoor egg hunt type thing, sort of like you would do with Easter, but... We're going to try and figure out a way to put a Halloween twist on it. or something. Yeah. So we're just trying to get creative and think of things that will make it fun for them and memorable that keep them safe. We don't know if there will be any trick-or-treaters this year, but if there are, we probably will not be handing out candy ourselves. But I hope that if there are kids out there having fun, that they stay safe. I can't wait to get back to normal because I love the holidays. And for me, Halloween kicks them off. So we, we always decorate the house inside and out. We always get costumes, but this year I'm recycling a costume since there's no party or anything, and I'm putting on a cow onesie, not letting COVID ruin everything. She's going to be a mad cow. (laughs) Mad cow disease. (laughs) Yes. Speaking of Halloween costumes, trick or treating, parties and spooky decorations, let's dive into this. First, before we get into the history of Halloween, which I'll be going over and where it comes from, I want to go over Halloween pranks that went wrong. Like, <laughs> like, like really bad wrong. Yeah, actually, a couple. Uh, one really, one that's sad to be frank. Oh. But anyway, here we go. So number one. So this prank happened back in 2010 in Galatia, Illinois. <laughs> Laughing. <laughs> Just because I have a typo that says 2101. I'm speaking into the future right now. He totally, totally threw us away into the future. I almost said the prank happened back in 2101. What? Wait a minute here. It's 2010. <laughs> this prank happened in 2010 in Galicia, Illinois. Okay, so the parents of an 8 and 6 year old decided to frighten their children by having their mom stage her death as a murder. Oh, that's oh, not funny. No. Both children thought their mother had been killed and ran to their neighbor's house. They told the neighbors that their mom had been strangled by Michael Myers, the killer from the movie Halloween. I love those movies. Yeah, and uh, coincidentally, they had, there had there was a Meyer family that lived 
really close in the area too, oh, which geez. didn't make things you know good as speculations start to arise and wonder. However, um, the neighbors they called the nine one one. The police came and they figured out it was a prank that went awry, didn't go so well as planned. And the sheriff said he'd rather have had this happen than something real. So the parents got off lucky. No one went to jail, but uh, so it what it didn't go over as as planned. And I don't know why the dad didn't stop them like the kids before, as oh they were running gosh. him over. That's what I was about to say. Why didn't he just say? Guys, it's a Guys, joke. Guys, stop, it's a joke. Mom, look, look, mom's up. Yeah. She's sitting this up. This was the it's trick all, instead uh-huh. of the treat. Like, right. <laughs> like, oh, my God. So, they Way let them. go, Dad. Hey, they <laughs> let it. Just ride this thing out. Let's let this <laughs> Let's let this prank go. Yeah, that's a great idea. Right. Another one, um, back October 31st of 1885, uh, people liked to prank back then. Wow, you went way back. Way back. First, you fast-forward us. To like, 2101, now I'm going back to 1885. Yeah. Right. So a Capitol Police officer patrolling the dark chambers of the U.S. Capitol building heard eerie groaning in, inside the statutory hall. Cautiously, he entered the circular room, spotting a ghostly figure. He drew his revolver and fired, his bullets marking the wall in the old house chamber. Fortunately for his partner, who had disguised himself as a ghost, the frightened officer's aim was off. And the would-be ghost survived. After the incident, there was years of conversation about the incident at the Capitol building. Oh so he got gosh. lucky, so he was a bad shot. You don't mess with a police officer who is armed like that. Like, yeah. you are just asking to get shot. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, both of you carry a gun. What are you doing? Right? Oh, my gosh. He got lucky. You're right. He did. Uh, <laughs> this one is a sad one. Oh, I don't This like one's that. called The Hanged Man. So a boy decided to use a tied noose Halloween decoration as a prop to scare his little sister. And then his sister heard him outside and dangling from the noose. The little girl ran and got her mother, who took her time as she thought the two children were playing a joke. It was when the little girl told her mom that foam was coming out of her brother's mouth that the mother rushed outside and found her son lifeless. And the mom called the ambulance, but unfortunately as he's going to the hospital, he passed away. But... And that's a, we try to have these pranks, and we try to have the ha-ha, it's, it's funny, but uh, pranks do go bad. Um, people, you know, one, have died, or, or they do get seriously hurt. So, it's, it's, hey, plan out your prank and think of the, hey, what are the second and third order effects of this going wrong? What right. could go wrong here? Now, sometimes when we have these jokes, you just, I mean, and sometimes they're really quick. You just, oh, let me just stand behind here and jump out and scare them. And then little did you know they had a, something in their hand and... Right. Or, two or whatever, but oh, that's it's, terrible. it is terrible, right? And you know, oh my gosh, that's just tell your kids not to be stupid with their jokes. Like, don't be actually hanging yourself from a rope or something. Like, right. Put not a mannequin good. up or something yeah. if you really want to do that kind of a trick. But wow, that's. I mean, in good, you know, pranks can be in really good fun, and, and we like to jump out yeah. and scare each other, do little things. And then you see them on social media all the time the pranks that people yeah. play on one another which are hilarious mm-hmm. and funny but it's it's yeah it's when the, when they go wrong uh like that That's like this and then head. i think do you think these are probably easier to go wrong just because uh it's halloween you want it to be scary that's how they go wrong not funny as much yeah but you're scary. not well you're not thinking it through like obviously this little this poor little boy was just trying to scare his sister and yeah. Of course, he's thinking, no harm, no foul, just kind of hang on here and I'll hold it. And yeah. somehow it, yeah. maybe he tripped up and he couldn't 
he couldn't keep his hands on the noose rope with his oh, neck or whatever. Terrible. But yeah. So anyway, here's another one though, which everybody should know about. And if you have it, you better you need to check it out. But probably the biggest and most famous Halloween prank to go wrong was Orson Welles, October 30th, 1938. Yes. Radio broadcast, The War of the Worlds. My dad used to have us listen yes. to this like every this year. Was, it was so cool. I've heard I've heard it too when I was traveling one time on the road, and it is it is eerie. It is yes. it's neat. It is. It, it's he, cool just to listen to it. Yeah, I love it. So, The War of the Worlds, based on H.G. Wells' novel, the program began with an authentic-sounding news bulletin announcing the sightings of strange disturbances on Mars. And this was followed by reports of disasters at actual locations on Earth. And finally, accounts of an unstoppable extraterrestrial invasion in which the U.S. citizens were being killed by hundreds and by the hundreds of thousands. So though there were four announcements that were made during the broadcast indicating that the audience was um, listening to a dramatization of imaginary events, many listeners had tuned in late and believed the realistic reporting was authentic. Isn't that crazy though? Yeah. You know, you think about that. Well, think yeah, think about it though. Like, look what year it was. People didn't really have they didn't have TV or anything like that. Yeah. So they listened to the radio for all of their news. And just the imaginations Everything. you would have while you're thinking about this. Now, before I kind of go on, I remember when 9-11 happened and both of you and I were in the military and the Air Force serving. And I remember after seeing it, still stuff was going on. Like I saw it on, a t- on the TV. I saw one of the second plane hit the building. I was happening to take in some fire. I, was, I had fire extinguishers. I was getting redone, um, checked at the fire station there on base. But... We were waiting to shoot because we're getting ready to uh, exercise or deploy or something. So we went over to Logistics Readiness Squadron there, and they wouldn't give us the guns because of everything that's going on. But we were listening to where it sounded like there were people at the White House getting ready to attack. And you listen to it on the radio because we, you know, we we're by our vehicles. It's it's wild. Yeah, I mean that's crazy. Yeah, so I, didn't I can have imagine. That kind of experience, so but. I can imagine listening to this like during that time frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, at one point during this dramatization, there was 10 seconds of eerie radio silence. So just having that silence sometimes is scarier than actually hearing stuff. Well, they you know? say kind of like um, uh, your, what is it? Your silence speaks volumes. Yeah, totally. Like, yes, like if someone it, is totally ignoring you, it tells you all you need to know, right? Right. right. So in the same instance here... These people are listening to the radio. They listen to all the stuff that's supposedly happening, and then suddenly it's just—it's like the radio went dead. Yeah. Imagine what oh, you're yeah. thinking at that time. They're thinking, "Oh my gosh, this, this radio station just got attacked." Yeah. So people were panicking. They got—they're starting to get their families in their cars, fleeing their cities. Unfortunately, there were no deaths and no one was hurt. But this had to be very traumatic. Thinking oh, yeah. this, having this well, go on. I heard that. And I could be wrong, but I heard that during this, like, men were freaking out so bad that they were literally killing their families to avoid being abducted. See, you know what? I heard that, too. Or I've heard people jumping out of buildings and doing things. And then the report that I had said no one had died. But I don't know. I mean, I've heard those those stories, too. So I think I need to look into this a little bit more. The panic. alone like set them off to the point where they were just like i'm not letting my family get abducted by aliens and they just they just killed them right and killed themselves yeah that's wild i know 
just to be able to hear something like that. I don't know if that's really true, but I remember it. hearing that. I've, I've heard that too. And of course, you know, these stories get bigger and bigger. Of course they do. Yeah. People do uh, exaggerate a bit. But. Sure. Okay. So now I went over some pranks that went wrong. And even though pranks are fun and we never want people to get hurt, sometimes things do go not as planned. Right. No, they don't go. They don't go well. So just be careful out there. All right, now, so I'm going to get into the history of Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I can't. I'm not scary. No, not yet. All right, so All Hallows Eve falls on, what do you know, the 31st of October each year. Every year. That's Every why year. I have, can I just say something? Yeah. That's why when you see these memes and stuff coming out about there's going to be a full moon and a Friday the 13th on Halloween this year. So it's so creepy, right? Like, really, people that are sharing this meme who believe it's true? Did you <laughs> see that it said Friday the 13th? It's just the three and the one are reversed. Oh but this year it's Saturday, right? Yeah, this year's a Saturday. Yeah, but Saturday. but my, my point is that people share that same type of meme almost every year and talk about it being on a Friday the 13th. And it's like, y'all are dumb. It's on the 31st of October every year. It is not ever going to fall on a Friday the 13th. <laughs> it's not possible. If it did, now that would be... It uh, won't. <laughs> oh, I know, but if it did... Shut up, it won't. It's not But bo- if it oh did... God, <laughs> anyway, it just, it, it just baffled me that people actually share that meme when it comes out, and I'm like, really? Yeah, that's a good one, though. No, it's not. <laughs> so, in this day... Before All Hallows Day, also known as All Saints Day, in the Christian calendar. So traditionally, the Roman Church held a vigil on All Hallows Eve when worshippers would prepare themselves with prayers and fasting prior to the feast day itself. I thought that it was a pagan holiday. We'll, we'll get into that. Oh. You just hold your little horses there. My bad. Nessus. My bad. Okay. So the name we know today delivers from the Old English hallowed. Delivers or derives? Derives. Excuse me. <laughs> The name we know today derives from the Old English hallowed, meaning holy or sanctified, and is now usually contracted to the more familiar word of Halloween. Sweet. Yeah. So in the early 17th century, Pope Boniface IV consecrated the Pantheon in Rome, formerly a temple, to all the gods, as church dedicated to St. Mary and the martyrs, and ordered that the date 13th May should be celebrated each year. This time became known as All Saints Day, a day to honor the saints, and later, at the behest of the Pope Urban IV, a day specifically to honor those saints who didn't have a festival day of their own. And by 8th century, on the 1st of November, Pope Gregory III dedicated a chapel to all the saints in St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, and Gregory IV then made the festival universal throughout the church, and the 1st of November has subsequently became All Saints Day for the Western Church. So they had moved it back when it used to be in May and they moved it to the 1st of November. Now if they had left it on May 13th then Mm -hmm. it would be possible to have Halloween on the Friday the 13th but they didn't. Ooh that's true. Maybe that's where that came from. No come on. No one's that (laughs) smart. I don't know. Anyway. Well you can you can start this. (laughs) I'm good. Okay. So now um most believe Halloween traditions came from the Gaelic festivals. That's where you were kind of Right, yes. we were talking to. Yeah, the. So the, these festivals would be called Samhain, and it's spelled S A M H A I N, but it's pronounced Samhain. 
No, it's Samhain. No, that too. <laughs> <laughs> I've always called it Samhain. Is that really not yeah, how you pronounce it? Samhain. I don't know. Who said that? And why is it spelled they like that? Whoever, whoever. Okay, well, I'm Americanizing from. it since the Christians can steal pagan holidays and make it Christian. I am going to Americanize Samhain and call it Samhain. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, which was this was Christianized by the early church. Samhain, or Samhain, <laughs> is a Gaelic word meaning the end of summer. This festival is believed to be the end of the harvest and the beginning of winter. It is also known that the Christian missionaries chose to hold a festival during this time of year to absorb the pagan rituals and convert people more easily. Oh, okay. So they would use this. So now the Celts believe that on one night before the new year, which was October 31st to them, the boundary between the worlds of the living and the dead became blurred. This night was as celebrated, Samhain, previously mentioned, when it was believed that the ghosts of the dead returned to earth. They thought some of these ghosts caused trouble and damaged crops. Celts thought that the presence of this otherworldly spirit made it easier for the Druids or Celtic priests to make predictions about the future. For a people entirely dependent on the volatile natural world, these prophecies were an important source of comfort during the long and dark winters. Hmm. Yeah. So you can imagine going into these long dark winters in this time period and just need that extra some, get grasp onto something. Have Why? a faith. I don't know. Okay. You're hearing in the dark, cold winters. I guess. I don't know. So to commemorate the event, Druids built huge sacred bonfires where the people gathered to burn crops and animals as sacrifices to the Celtic deities. During the celebration, the Celts wore costumes, typically consisting of animal heads and skins, and attempted to tell each other's fortunes. When the celebration was over, they re relit their hearth fires, which they had extinguished earlier in the evening from the sacred bonfire to help protect them during the coming winter. So, oh. you know, you kind of think about the costumes of today and how maybe they originated from this time period. Oh, that's kind of cool. I always wondered, like, why we would dress up, but here's the answer right yeah. here. It came from the coat. And, and, and two, a lot of different societies and peoples, you think of, like, in Mexico where they do the Day of the Dead. Yeah. This, um... They're kind of celebrating the past people, ghosts, different things, beings coming back on this day. Mm -hmm. So by 43 AD, the Roman Empire had conquered the majority of the Celtic territory. In the course of the 400 years that they ruled the Celtic lands, two festivals of Roman origin were combined with the traditional Celtic celebration of Samhain. The first was Ferelia, a day in late October when the Romans traditionally commemorated the passing of the dead, and the second was a day to honor Pomona, the Roman goddess of fruit and trees. A symbol of Pomona is the apple, and in the incorporation of the celebration into Samhain probably explains the tradition of bobbing for apples that is practiced today on Halloween. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Okay. So it's neat to see how long these things, I mean, these are hundreds and hundreds of thousands of years. So we basically and, took a bunch of different though a, a bunch of different traditions from different cultures. Yeah. And made one Halloween. Yeah. Like oh, one big Halloween time. holiday thing. And you'll see that here throughout some of me talking about this. Oh, that's for pretty sure. cool. Mm -hmm. 
So jumping forward in time, Halloween comes to America. So for colonial America, Halloween was marginalized because of the Protestant influence. What do you mean it was marginalized? It just wasn't really that big of a thing, just because at that time period. You can imagine the Salem witch trials. Yeah, they probably all thought everyone was Satan if you even said the word Halloween. Right. Okay. Or you did anything that was more of a Druid, um, pagan type worship. So did they have scarecrows then back then? I don't know. Okay, that's just random thoughts. I want to say that. <laughs> so as different groups begin to migrate to America and along with Native American customs, the celebrations, they begin to mesh. You know, a lot of things we know as of today come from so many different cultures, peoples, all over the world. I mean, we kind of just mishmash them to probably our liking, I would think. Right. The first celebrations included play parties, which were public events held to celebrate the harvest. Neighbors would share stories of the dead, tell each other's fortunes, and dance and sing. So, you know, you see some of that stuff today. Mm -hmm. Colonial Halloween festivities also featured the telling of ghost stories and mischief-making of all kinds. By middle of the 19th century, annual autumn uh, festivities were common, but Halloween was not yet celebrated everywhere in the country. By the second half of the 19th century, America was flooded with new immigrants. And then these new immigrants, especially the millions from the uh, millions of Irish fleeing from the potato famine, mm-hmm. they helped to popularize the celebration of Halloween nationally. Because they did have the tradition of all Halloween. Yes. So they took, yeah, those big Gaelic traditions came with them. So the history of trick-or-treating. So kind of moving on a little bit here. Barring from European traditions, Americans began to dress up in costumes and go house to house asking for food or money. Can you imagine that? Dressing up and going asking for, for money. I mean, food, okay, but money. Was this only done on Halloween? Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's not such a, it's like, hey. For breakfast mm-hmm. do. Can, I, can you, can can you give me some money? But what if everybody's out of their house and they're all trick or treating asking for money? <laughs> Guess and no one's at their other house. Yeah, that'd be interesting. You don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> so, a practice that eventually became today's trick or treat tradition was, was this young women believed that on Halloween they could, de- they could divine the name or appearance of their future husband by doing tricks with yarn. Apple pairings or mirrors. What? Yeah. I don't know. That's stupid. Right? Okay. By the late 1800s, Halloween became more about community and neighbors getting together. Parents were encouraged by newspapers and community leaders to take anything frightening or grotesque out of Halloween celebrations. Because of these efforts, Halloween lost most of its superstitious and religious overtones. Uh, overtones, excuse me, by the beginning of the 20th century. But, you know. It came back. That stuff comes back. <laughs> With a vengeance. Yeah, it does. <laughs> oh my. Yeah, I had to get that out. By the 1920s and 1930s, Halloween had became a secular but community-centered holiday with parades and town-wide Halloween parties as the featured entertainment. Heck yeah. Yeah. So despite the best efforts of many schools and communities, vandalism began to plague some celebrations in many communities. Oh, that's not cool. All right. So during this time, by the mid-1950s, town leaders had successfully limited vandalism, and Halloween had evolved into a holiday directed mainly for the young kiddos. Okay. So due to the high numbers of young children during the 50s baby boom, parties moved from town civic centers into classroom or home where they would be more easily to accommodate. So you could see a transition there from community and people getting together to, hey, Celebrating your homes and going out to home to home. But you see, you saw kind of earlier they would do that with 
for food and money, but mm-hmm. lots of changes. So they had revived the old centuries-old practice of trick-or-treating. And trick-or-treating was a relatively inexpensive way for an entire community to share Halloween celebration. In theory, families could also present tricks being played on them by providing the neighborhood children with small treats. Okay. Yeah. And that's, um, that's what I live by today. Like, if you don't have any candy... You're getting tricked. You're gonna and get And that's where the pranks, and that's where they go wrong, and you heard them earlier. You're going to have a smashed pumpkin on your freaking yep. porch, yep. or you're going to get peepeed, or something's Egg. happening. Yep. So as of today, as you know, we still celebrate. Uh, many Americans do anyway, Halloween. Though it has evolved throughout time, it is figured Americans spend an estimated $6 billion annually on Halloween making it the country's second largest commercial holiday after Christmas. Which I totally believe. That's yeah, got to be true. I mean, you buy billion. costumes, you you decorate like we do, uh-huh. you buy all this candy. The candy. Yeah, like you you go all out. Halloween's awesome. Mm-hmm. And when, remember, when back in well, the, I wonder our, our, our 20s and 30s, we used mm-hmm. to have a Halloween party every year. Yeah. The Shaper's well, annual Halloween party. And then there's party. the booze, yeah. all the liquor being purchased. There's also... Um, if there's scary movies coming out that time, so uh, I would think they'd probably equate some of this money earnings to that. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. That's a lot of money. It six, is a lot of money. Six billion. But know. there's also a lot of Americans. True. Okay. All right, so since we cover true crime, I wanted to end the show about a gruesome murder called the Toolbox Murder, where Lawrence Bittaker and Roy Norris raped, tortured, and killed Shirley Ledford. Uh, on Halloween 1979. So, Shirley Ledford, a 16-year-old who lived in California, was hitchhiking home from her job on October 31st. And I know those different times, but even in 1979, like, why? But I understand maybe she wants to get home. It's it, it's Halloween, whatever. But still, like, don't, yeah. don't get picked up by two, two dudes. Yeah, but back then, I mean, think about even in the 60s and stuff, the hippie movement and everything. Like, I know. It, it, I mean, I know the 70s, you're, especially 1979, you're moving into the 80s. Like, all these murders and stuff were happening and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, people weren't as trusting as they used to be, but hitchhiking was still a thing. I know. But so. it's, oh, God, man. Um, but what she could not have known was that the two who picked her up in the last recent months had raped three girls and had killed four and Shirley who would soon be that fifth. So Lawrence Bittaker and Roy Norris met in prison. They figured they would just, hey, we're just going to join forces and we can rape and pillage and kill together when we get out. So they purchased a van and they named it Murder Mac with a sliding door to make it easier to abduct girls. Bittaker and Norris inflicted unthinkable horrors on all the young women using tools one might find in a toolbox, hence the name Toolbox Murders, according to CBS in San Francisco. I hate them already. Yeah. The convicts liked to photograph and record their sadistic attacks, which ultimately helped lead to their convictions. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. They, they recorded themselves? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. gosh, you guys are brilliant. Good and, job. Yeah. And they were known to push ice picks into the ears and brains oh. of some of their victims, according to court documents, and they used pliers and hammers on young women and altered sexually, an alternate sexually assaulting them, so taking turns. Ew. Yeah. So oh in the Shirley, I know, it's horrible. Women. In the Shirley Ledford case, there is 17 minutes of her pleading for her life um, while she's raped, tortured, and then murdered. The men took turns raping Ledford, but it was Norris who was in charge during that recording. According to the transcript, besides raping her, 
forcing her to perform oral sex. He used pliers in various ways on her genitalia. Yeah, it's horrible. Once she was damaged from uh, those tortures, he moved on to beating her in the elbow with a sledgehammer as her hands were tied behind her back. And he wailed on her elbow 25 times as, as her screams of agony and wailing prompted Norris to ask, What are you sniveling about? What? Yeah. According to the transcript, lastly, the recording had been turned off, but Shirley was strangled with a wire hanger. The last word Shirley Lynette Ledford spoke at the end of her short life was, do it. Just kill me, according to the post-it, uh, the post-it and partial transcript. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I Just can get this see over that. With. I like, would, too. Me. Yeah, it's horrible. Oh, my gosh, that poor girl. She was I only know, 16. 16. yeah. So all oh of these, all the murderers, previous victims, were dumped in a remote location. In Ledford's case, they decided to leave her battered body in someone's front yard <laughs> so they could see the reaction in the newspaper. They put Ledford's body in the bed of an ivy, in a, in a suburban neighborhood um, where it was discovered by an early morning jogger. Uh, and this is coming from court documents. And the hanger was still around her neck. So that's how they knew the hanger piece. Both men were convicted of the murders of five young women, but Norris testified against Bittaker to escape the death sentence. Bittaker was sentenced to death in 81, but died of natural causes on death row in 2019. According to CBS San Francisco, in February 2020, Norris died in prison. So just recently here. These oh two my gosh, died. they are so freaking sick. That wow. Yeah. So but they died of natural causes. They got to live their lives out. Yeah, pretty much. That's and they were cool. already in behind bars before and probably used to it. And it's kind of like I hate to say it, but like whatever for them, you know. Oh I don't know. So you know, today, you know, thinking about that ending with this, um, things happen. You know, unfortunately on Halloween, but Halloween is a fun time too. You know, have yeah, a way to bum me out. Like I was totally laughing and thinking this was a fun episode until you had to throw in that little tidbit. Yeah. Well, we're true crime, and I had to. Oh my gosh! I figured that I baby could have gave me a warning. Sorry. That was terrible. Yeah, I didn't tell her anything before. No, this. I had no idea what was coming up. So thanks for that. Ew. So we kind of went over, you know, all the different Halloween, how it came to be, and how it is Americanized now, and what we do, and of course the pranks that go along with it, and then there's some horrible activities that happen. Yeah. Too, and Halloween. There was a lot of different murders and unsolved stuff out there, too. So, people, you can guys, I have the links, well, and I'll mention that here. And then I mean, Halloween's more, just but. like any other day, really. It's just another day, but it's a day that we have a holiday on, so we have more activities going on. But mm-hmm. I'm sure that there are just as many unsolved and... Oh, and any day of the week. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's just another day. It so. is. So, this ends our Halloween episode. So be sure to be safe this Halloween as you discovered pranks can go bad. And over the years, there has been gruesome murders, such as the one mentioned of Shirley Lynette. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And I'll post the links to today's show on our website, which you can find at wickednesstruecrimeintheunknown.com. You can also find and support us, if you choose to, on Anchor at anchor.fm slash wickedness. Find us on Instagram at wickednesstruecrime. You can also email us through our website or at wickednesstruecrime at yahoo.com. If you have suggestions for stories you're interested in hearing, let us know. We hope you enjoyed today's show, and we will see you again next week for another amazing episode. Until then, stay safe, healthy, and have a spooktacular rest of your week, and happy Halloween. Yeah, happy Halloween, you guys. Bye.